it was the first time that I read a textbook cover to cover because I was just so interested in, in everything. And I reread the section about editing and I, I found that it comprised my love for gaming and technology and being a nerd. And I was like, oh my God, there's a job that will pay me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been curious about what an assistant editor does on big Hollywood films and television shows, then today is your lucky day. I'm film editor Lawrence Jordan of MasterTheWorkflow.com. And I love sharing my knowledge, experience, and passion about every aspect of the film and video editing craft. Today, we're talking with Scott Jacobs, who's an editor in his own right, but most recently worked as an assistant editor on Marvel Studios' hit show, WandaVision. In this exclusive, in-depth interview, Scott gives us the inside scoop on things like how to get into a cutting room, what's required of the assistant editor, how the importance of networking can change your career, and how he finds a work-life balance in this demanding field. So stick around for this information-packed interview with Scott Jacobs. So Scott, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, first question I want to ask is, what got you into film editing? Uh, well, that's a hefty question. Uh, I'll try to be as succinct as I can. Um, what really got me started, it started with uh, being a big gamer uh, back when I was younger. Um, and I love just sitting down, playing any video game for 10, 12 hours a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I was, I was that kid. Then my junior year in high school, I got involved with uh, singing and performing. Um, and that led me down a whole new passion for theater and performance. So I wanted to pursue that in college. Uh, I was originally thinking that I would minor in Japanese, major in business, and then go into the video game industry. Um, yeah, but when I found the love for performing and entertaining, I, I went with that and I went to uh, a university that had a, a stellar business program and then a really, really fantastic uh, theater program. So I figured, okay, well, if theater doesn't work out, then I'll just change majors instead of needing to worry about transferring schools. But you didn't go to film school per se. Not initially. I, I eventually did. Um, but what really got me into pursuing film was along the way, uh, studying theater and singing, I was just losing the love for it, you know, and with all creative arts, if you really can't see yourself doing it forever, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. I was losing the love for it, but I wanted to keep entertaining. So I took a blow off film course to hopefully just get that easy A, but I ended up really, really loving it. And it was the first time that I read a textbook cover to cover because I was just so interested in, in everything. And then I saw Moulin Rouge, directed by Baz Luhrmann and edited by uh, Jill Bilcock. And a friend at the time was telling me that all the aspects of the movie that I really loved dealt with the visual effects and the editing. And so I went back to that textbook and I reread the section about editing and it reinvigorated my interest in that. And I found that it comprised my love for gaming and technology and being a nerd and then my love for being a theater nerd and i was like oh my god there's a job that will pay me to do this <laughs> and so i started teaching myself iMovie then final cut and then i did an internship that uh i was able to get my hands on avid for the first time 
uh, and taught myself that. I had always wanted a master's degree. So for me, film school was something that I wanted to pursue uh, at the graduate level. And that led me to apply to go to the American Film Institute. And I actually didn't get in the first time I applied. Uh, so mm. I found out what I needed to do to become uh, more attractive to them to get into the program. And I spent a year just kind of building up my my resume a little bit and I got accepted uh, in 2005 and I graduated in 2007. Very cool. So after that, how did you get uh, your foot in the door, you know, like officially into the business? Yeah. So, you know, people are always saying, oh, if you go to film school, then you get all the connections and it's an easy in and look at what happened with Ryan Coogler and his editor. And I mean, yeah, there's always those unicorn stories. Those definitely exist, but they're very, very far and few between. You know, not to say that the people that I graduated AFI with weren't good or anything like that. I mean, of course they were, but there wasn't a director that I really uh, attached myself with at the time that I saw anything was immediately going to happen. You know, we all go to film school wanting to be editors, but what people don't understand is that you still have to pay your dues. And for me, there was a lot of purpose to start off as a PA and work my way up to the top. Because for me, when I get into the editing chair, I want to know that I can communicate intelligently to the first, to the second, know what time everything takes so that you know we can pad time if we think we need it. Uh, just be respectful of the positions below me. So for me, I wanted to be able to learn every aspect of the hierarchy. Yeah, so I just started cold, cold calling editors and looking up editors on IMDb. Back at that time, the Editors Guild would put out this book you know, that was like this thick, that was the member directory. Sure. And I just looked up the names and whoever was, whoever had their information listed, I sent an email or I called them. And uh, by doing that, I was able to meet with so many amazing people that were just generous to give me their time, ranging from, you know, TV editors to Emmy winning editors and Oscar winners. I mean, it was it was incredible because no one comes out to LA to be an editor. So, you know, I, I think it's a, a lot easier to interact with some of those people, uh, even though you might put them on a pedestal, they enjoy talking, you know, and sure. I enjoy hearing everybody's different stories. So the job that got me my first post PA gig, I had actually cold emailed Steve Rosenblum's agent, um, or actually cold called the agency. Because uh, he didn't have his information listed, and I was a big fan of Edswick's films, and it—I should have known at the time. I don't know why I didn't, but Steve Rosenblum was actually a, an alumni of AFI, so when I reached out to him uh, or to his agent, I just said, "Hey, I'm a student at AFI. I, I really love Steve's work, and I was wondering if I'd be able to be put in contact with him." I waited three days, and next thing I know, the agent actually calls me back. It was a boutique agency, so a little easier if, if, if you belong to like CAA or UTA probably wouldn't have happened. But yeah, the agent wrote back and said, he'd be happy to meet with you. Here's his information, reach out, he's waiting for you. And I scheduled the meeting with him and I sat down with him for two hours and we just talked, you know, it wasn't 
I'm looking for a job or anything like that. It was just strictly talking about the craft of editing. And by the end of it, he ended up saying, hey, let me give you the information to my first assistant. Keep in touch. We'll see what happens. Um, That's wonderful, man. So, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. And, uh, you know, you know, congratulations on your fortitude there and your boldness. I think that's a, a big thing. I think a lot of people are just a little bit scared to just reach out. You know, the worst somebody could say is no. It takes a lot of uh, a lot of courage, especially if you're in a new town and you don't know anybody. So, yeah, really good. Okay, so my next question is, you've worked as an assistant in both features and TV. Uh, what's the biggest difference uh, as an assistant editor uh, in those two in those two fields? The biggest difference is probably um, the pace of of the projects. Uh, you know, TV has a much more accelerated schedule to deal with, and you're also going to be juggling. Uh, multiple episodes at one time, whereas on a feature, uh, generally speaking, the schedules are a little bit lengthier. Uh, you know, for a feature, you're looking at anywhere from six months to, you know, depending on the scope, 18 months, and you're only focusing on that one project. Whereas on, you know, a one-hour network show, even though nowadays we're coming into the the release schedule of, you know, 12 episodes or 18, you're no longer seeing any shows that are really 24 anymore. Those are an anomaly. But the hardest time that I had as an assistant on a TV show was I was juggling either three or four episodes at one time because they were all in varying stages of the process. I had one project in dailies. I had another project that was in producer's cut or director's cut. And then we had one that was finishing. Uh, and so at any one time, yeah, I think it was three, four would be insane. So, you know, so at any one time I was juggling three episodes uh, and that's just a lot to manage and try to keep track of. Whereas on the feature side of things, you are just focused on one project. But I will also say that the a bigger difference is that with features, there's more precision involved. What I felt in the projects that I worked on, because every project is different, and these are my opinions and my experiences, so what I say could be very different from other people, but you know, the projects that I've been a part of, there's a lot more wiggle room in TV as far as things being done. You know, Things like uh, an animat or a fluid morph on a TV show that might be done in uh, the color timing, you know, the DI. Whereas on the feature level, things of that nature have to go to a VFX department because they'll make it look better. Um, sure. You know, there's there's more money involved, and therefore you can spend time to make these look good. Not that a fluid morph on the through the Avid uh, TV won't look good. It's just you know. You're also talking about throwing something on a 40-inch screen compared to something that's going on a 40-foot screen. So you sure. have to make sure that, you know, the quality can't is there. can't see the imperfections. Right, exactly. Right. So do you prefer working in TV versus features or one or the other? You know, it really comes down to, is the project fun and am I, and am I working with people that I want to be working with? Th- that's first and foremost. Uh, my main desire is to be 
continuing in features. Uh, but my, my hand was kind of forced in a way because I had spent uh, several years on a show called Person of Interest, which was an awesome show. I got to work with some amazingly talented people. Uh, and I was assisting on there for, for several years. And then I got bumped up to editor. And then unfortunately, the show got canceled. And then trying to find that second editing job was a challenge, you know, because at that point I had my amazing editor and mentor friend, Scott Powell. Um, he, uh, he had moved on to do a feature, but I took his slot at person of interest. So he offered me the first assistant position, but I was like, well, no, I want to edit. <laughs> so I, sure. I stayed and I edited, but then of course, you know, since the show got canceled, I lost, uh, being on the same plane as, as Scott. And I had to make a decision. Do I want to move on to another TV show and assist and rebuild those relationships with people, rebuild that trust that they are willing to give you to cut the show uh, and then get back to editing? Or do I worry about how much money I can be making because I have a family and two kids. Uh, we moved into an apartment based on my editor's rate that I can no longer really afford at an assistant editor rate. Uh, but on, on feature films, you can actually negotiate more. And so it was a big crossroads that I had to consider. Uh, and for me, it was staying with features, even though I knew it would be a longer path to editing, which I, I don't like, but I've, I have more passion for feature films than I do TV. You know, for me, I can make more money as an assistant editor on the features that I've had the uh, ability to work on than being an editor in TV. Yeah, the rates uh, so are from, the rates are definitely higher in features uh, for both editors yeah. and assistants. Um, yes. You've also done some work in animation. Uh, tell us the differences for an assistant. Uh, you know, in one versus the other. Uh, you know, animation versus live action. Yeah, so my experience with animation uh, is a little different than what you would normally find. You know, it, it's different because Illum I worked at Illumination, and Illumination, their production is primarily done in Paris. And so a lot of the normal duties that an assistant in animation does, which is processing uh, storyboards, processing all of the different layers of animation, you know, so you, you start off with storyboards. Once you lock your picture with the storyboards, then you move to layout and then you have your animation after you lock layout. And then after animation, you have the render, which is the final image that you see. I would say the easiest way to describe the, uh, being an assistant on an animated film is you're essentially, you're all kind of VFX editors and your VFX assistants because there's a lot of creativity that goes into editing at the storyboard stage. And then of course, as things progress and the story changes, editing might change and layout and animation to suit the needs of the story perhaps. And then maybe a section will go back to storyboard because you're reworking the story. A lot of the fun is with the storyboards for me because that's where you can really start shaping the story. You get the sound effects work going. Sure. You know, and then, of course, the cool aspect of animation over live action is if you need a shot, you can just talk to the director, Ask you talk it. to the animators. <laughs> yep, you can get that shot. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah. So you've, wor you've worked as a first and you've worked as a second. 
you know, for people who are uninitiated, what are the big differences between a first and a second assistant editor? Well, the first assistant is really the one in charge of the cutting room. Uh, obviously, the editor is is the head honcho. He or she calls the shots for sure. But the first assistant is kind of the central hub of the cutting room. And they're the ones that the post producers go to generally. The VFX producers will go to to just kind of wrangle all of the information. The first will generally sit in with the editor, take notes, implement changes, things of that nature. Uh, so they're, they're really steering the ship. And the second assistant, if you're fortunate enough to have a cutting room that's that large, the second assistant will be kind of like the first mate in a way to the first assistant, where the second will just kind of help execute anything that the first can't handle. You know, any generally speaking, second assistants will handle the turnovers, uh, you know, taking taking what we've done in an editorial and shipping it off to the different departments, music and sound. You know, the first assistant will generally handle the DI just because that's such a sensitive part of the process, at least on, on the feature side of things. The digital intermediate. The digital intermediate, yeah. And doing all of the color correction. And then uh, the DI facility will send confidence checks back so that you can bring those into the Avid and make sure that our cuts are lining up with the cuts that they've done in the facility, making sure that the VFX uh, versions that have been cut in are matching what we have in the Avid, in the cutting room. And it really just comes, comes around to uh, delegating tasks. Uh, sure. And then, of course, the the assistants, any other general assistants that don't have a, a second assistant title to it, are are just there to help out in any way that they can, just to keep picking up the moving. slack. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, as a first assistant, what are your biggest challenges? The biggest challenge would be just making sure that the editor has everything that they need on a day to day basis to be comfortable and stay focused on cutting. Your job is to make the editor comfortable. Uh, your job is to put out fires before they become forest fire. You know, you want to you want to keep it contained before it really gets out of hand. And, you know, obviously things happen and sometimes there's elements that are out of your control. But for me, that's the that's the biggest challenge is just trying to get everything as fast as you can, making it right, owning up to your mistakes. If you make a mistake, because we're all human, it's gonna be a bigger problem if you try to sweep the mistake under the rug. The best thing is just to correct anything before it, it leaves. And uh, if something happens, then just own up to it, fix it and, and move on. Just a quick break to say, if you want to see more content about the world of professional film and video editing, hit that subscribe button and click that bell to be notified of future videos. It really helps us get the word out about our amazing craft. And be sure to follow us on our other social channels. Links are in the description below. Now back to our interview with Scott. So you're currently working on the new series WandaVision for Marvel, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> Congratulations. That's an awesome credit. But you're doing it remotely. Correct. But Mar Marvel's been awesome. Uh, they've, they've treated us really, really well. And they've kept all of their productions going in, in post. They've been really great about just 
keeping the show moving forward as, as best as we can. And we were set up with a cloud solution at first, which, I mean, look, all of this stuff has worked out way better than I anticipated. You know, as long as you have that solid internet connection, you know, 400 down, 20 up seems to be the gold standard right now for, Yeah. yeah, for really making things happen. Yeah, we definitely had bumps in the road. There were some challenges working in the PC environment compared to you know, the Mac server environment. After a couple of weeks, we got up and running and really it was it was no different than if we were working in the cutting room. Wow. Yeah, it, it worked really well. And Marvel IT, they are amazing. Like they they got all the shows up and running and they are some of the smartest people that I've worked with. Yeah, well, I got to imagine they've got a pretty pretty top caliber people up in Marvel and the resources to, uh, to support, you know, the shows in, in any way they need. But, you know, working remotely, uh, it's such a new thing. Uh, How has it changed the job for you? The biggest thing was the communication aspect of everything. Uh, I know that there was one show that just had Zoom on all the time so that there was a little bit more of that element of, you know, you walking into their room or or something like that. Uh, We didn't do that, which I'm okay with because I don't want to be on camera 24-7. But um, that's been the hardest part is is the communication takes longer, you know, to make sure an output is needing to go somewhere or who it's going to. Normally, it would take 20 seconds to walk down the hall, double check what you're doing is right, and you'll be on your way. But now everybody is so pulled in so many different directions that – questions aren't answered right away. So you're kind of, you know, there's times where you're sitting around waiting 10 minutes for a simple answer, but you can't pull the trigger because you don't have your answer yet. Interesting. That for me has been has been a challenge, but it has worked a lot better than I thought it would. I mean, I think we're always going to be going to the cutting room, but I think it's going to be less of an issue for productions to allowing people to work from home because before it was kind of a special thing that, productions would give to their editor or allowing editors to take material home with them. And now that we've all been used to it for, you know, thankfully those of us who are working have been used to it for as long as we have been, the prospect of needing to be in LA is changing. I know that for WandaVision, there's a guy who's all the way in New York right now. Uh, I mean, he's based in LA, but he went home to New York to be with family and everything, and Marvel sent the material out. I actually have a friend who's working at Warner Brothers who uh, is working from Idaho, and uh, yeah, um, it's great. Seems to work work pretty pretty well for everybody. So, are you working on a proprietary system uh, of Marvels or Disney's, or are you using any kind of uh, specific uh, remote setup? Yeah, no, I'm uh, nothing proprietary. Everything is available by anybody to the point where I thought about buying the system for myself. I was actually talking to Richard about that. And then, of course, you know, things started hitting the fan a little bit with with the system. And there's some issues that could pop up on the networking side. So it became less of an investment that I wanted to make. Uh, but we're using a system called Amulet Hotkey, which is essentially a direct Ethernet line from your home straight to the studio. If the kinks can be worked out with uh, Amulet and then 
A lot of it is based on the network infrastructure where your Avid is going to be based. Uh, so there are some of those factors involved, but once some of those kinks get worked out, Amulet is going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think. I, I really enjoyed working on uh, working with that system. And the other system that I have is uh, VDI. I don't know if that's what it's called, but uh, oh no, you know what? It's uh, Teradici. But none of your media is local. Everything is at in Burbank. Nothing is local. Yeah. Everything is in Burbank. And... Uh, completely secure. Yeah, it, it's worked out really, really well. Cool, cool. Okay, so I'm really interested in the fact that you've already edited quite a few short films. How do you find short films to cut? That's a tricky one. Several of the short films that I've done, I actually cut because the director is an actor um, and he actually acted in one of my thesis films from AFI. And I just kept in touch with him over the years and he wanted to start directing and he's a writer as well. And he was doing stuff and I said, well, hey, let me, let me cut, you know, cause the problem with assisting on bigger projects or even a crazy TV show is there isn't a lot of time to cut because you're needing to support the show. So you have to just, take those opportunities. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, with this particular guy, I just said, Hey, you know, just let me cut for free. You don't need to pay me. I just want to be creative. I want to get my juices flowing and keeping up with uh, practicing my craft. Actually on all the short films I've done, I, I thankfully have been able to just do them for free because I'm just doing them on the side. And I always say to everybody, if the turnaround time isn't crazy, and you're flexible with my schedule, then yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in, you know, just don't make me go crazy. Then I would say just networking groups. This last short film that I've, that I've been cutting for a while, again, it was a situation. I just wanted to be creative. It was a female director who had some really promising talent and that, that job just came up because someone in a group that I belong to said that this person was looking for an editor and I threw my name in the hat and she hit me up and it's been awesome. Uh, she, we had a great working relationship together and hopefully she continues to do stuff. Uh, sure. just keep, keep working. Yeah. That's always the hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, you look at a perfect example is Tom Cross with, um, Whiplash, you know, he, and, uh, he cut the short, on that, I don't know the full story, but he cut the short for Whiplash. It did really, really well, and, and they wanted to make a feature out of it. And then he cut the feature, and it won him an Oscar. <laughs> you know, again, a unicorn situation, but still um, amazing. You know, I've never met him. I've yeah, I've never met him. I hear he's a, a really great guy. So I'm glad it happened to someone like him. And but yeah, I mean, you hear those stories, and you know. There's there's the long path of assisting and hoping to get that opportunity with your editor to, you know, continuing to cut scenes and cut scenes to become an additional editor to then co-edit. But that takes time. A short film is definitely another alternative to taking that fast track to editing. You just need to cut one short film that takes off that maybe is a bigger you know, just a, a small piece to a bigger pie uh, that the director or writer, whoever started the short has in mind. Uh, so or something having else. that vehicle, 
Exactly. You know, you never know. Uh, every opportunity is a good opportunity. You just yeah. never know what door is going to open from something that you've done. Um, I, to I totally agree. I mean, I think it, I think it is a really smart uh, strategy if, if, if someone, you know, is doing it with that intention uh, because you're right. You could wait a long time to get bumped up. I mean, sometimes maybe not. Maybe you get bumped up quickly, depending on. But we don't know, you know, how the uh, how the heavens or how the universe is going to, uh, you know, treat us. And uh, it's really important to continue to develop these relationships with new filmmakers. And you're taking yep. a chance. They're taking a chance on you, but you never know. Like you know, in in Tom Cross's case with. Uh, with Damien Chazelle, uh, you never know where it's going to lead to. Yeah. So, I mean, you really just need to keep your eyes and ears open for, for anything that comes up. Absolutely. Okay. So my next question is a tough one. We all think about this and especially with younger kids, how do you find a work-life balance, Scott? Um, <clears throat> find a really, really strong partner. <laughs> um, no, I mean, for me, it was extremely challenging because um, I'm I'm a workaholic. I love working. It's I I mean, look, I would do this job for free. You know, I would never tell a producer that, but you know, <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I say that all the time, also, and uh, so do people like Jeff Ford. I mean, you know, this is you know, this is what we do because we love doing it. Yeah, it's I I just absolutely love doing what I do. So working the 15 hours a day, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week, it, it doesn't bother me. It bothered my, you know, at the time my my girlfriend and it took a really long time for her to be comfortable with the hours that I was working. The harder part was when I wasn't working and I needed to go out to meet up with friends at a bar or a party or something. And she's like, why are you going out? Like, are you cheating on me? Like what's going on? And it's like, no, I'm not I'm like, I love you. It's just like, I actually have to work harder when I'm not cutting because you just got to keep that network growing and you got to, you got to keep moving. So it took several years for her to, to be okay with it. But it took me even longer because when I started, you know, finding that my passion wasn't just work anymore, I was starting to have a struggle with staying late and worrying about her feelings and worrying about my kids when they started noticing like, oh, where's dad? He's not around a lot. But it was a lot of working through things with my wife and just an understanding that when I'm home, I will make up for the time that I've been gone. And yeah, when you find that special someone, hopefully they just, they understand and they can work with you. Yeah, I think that's key. I mean, I, I really think that if you are in a relationship, you have to have a clear understanding with each other of what uh, of what the job entails. And, uh, and you have to understand possibly what their job entails. I mean, a lot of jobs are very intense uh, these days. And you also have to make yeah. a decision of whether or not, you know, in your case, you made a clear decision, you you had a lot of passion and drive for film editing, you have to, you know, ask yourself, uh, you know, is this really what I want to do? Or do I really have the ability, you know, to work these kinds of hours and, and with these kinds of crazy people? Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of crazy people in our, in our business. What are the two or three specific pieces of advice you can give to anyone who is aspiring 
to become a film editor or an assistant editor or get in the cutting room? What could you tell them? Uh, first thing is definitely something that I mentioned earlier is that, you know, make sure this is what you're passionate about, even if it's just what you're passionate about right now, because you're going to be sitting down in, in a chair for eight to 12, 15 hours a day. And you really need to know that you enjoy doing it. Uh, if you feel like there is something else that you can be doing that would be fulfilling for you, then I'm not going to say don't continue to pursue editing, but just be mindful of, of that feeling. Because if your definition of making it is working in Hollywood, then you're going to need to make sure that you have that passion. Second, network. You just have to network. As uncomfortable as it might be for you, you need to find a way to network with the people that you want to be involved with. If your passion is narrative TV dramas, then try to meet assistant editors that are working on shows that you like. That was probably the one mistake that I made when I was trying to get my foot in the door is that while meeting with some of the editors that I got to meet with, it was amazing and I still talk with some of them today, it would have been more beneficial to me to be talking to assistant editors because those are the one, those are the people that will be engaging and interacting with you the most. So I would, I would say try to reach out to assistant editors in addition to editors, but you just got to network. And then Larry, you didn't pay me to say this at all. Uh, but if your passion and your desire is to be in Hollywood assisting, Hollywood editing, then continue taking this course. I don't know how many people will actually see these interviews that aren't already subscribed to Master the Workflow, but this program is incredible. Uh, you know, it is so on point with what you need to learn and what you need to understand when it comes to working in a Hollywood cutting room environment. It's really, I wish this program was around. I, when I was younger, not to say that I still wouldn't necessarily have done film school, but there's things that are included in the master of the workflow that aren't included in film school, you know, because sure. they teach you how to be an editor in film school. They don't teach you to be an assistant. Maybe there's a course focusing on elements of it, but uh, what you guys have developed is, is seriously such an amazing tool for people to have. And even I uh, used the uh, code book uh, when I was put in charge of creating the code book, which I had never done before a couple of shows ago. You know, so even someone as seasoned as me still had benefit to the program. So oh. I would say those are the key points. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't pay you to say that, but I, I no. would have uh, if I would have thought of it. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that, um, and uh, thank you for your time, man. I mean, this is this is valuable information for anybody who wants to get into our world and you know make movies. And hearing yeah. it from someone with your kind of chops. I'm going to link to your IMDb profile so people can see the kind of films that you've worked on. And uh, just just thank you so much for being generous with your time. Really appreciate it, Scott. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad, uh, glad we were finally able to find time to make this work. Cool. Thanks again.
All right, thanks. Take care.